You are listening to what may be the finest hour in radio on this station at this hour. (laughs) I know I see you laughing, but that's a safe claim, isn't it? This is the best show on this channel at this time. Mm -hmm. Right? That's safe. Yeah, because this is Disclosure. My name is Sean Boonstra. I work for a very, very old radio organization known as the Voice of Prophecy, and so does the lovely Miss Jean, who's sitting Mm -hmm. across the table from me, my bride of 25 and a half long long years <laughs> careful yeah and um but happily married we we did our what is that that's your silver right your silver anniversary is silver. Yeah. yeah you have your silver anniversary right about the time that your hair starts going silver <laughs> pretty close yeah and then yeah. when you hit 50 years of marriage it goes gold your yeah. hair goes white true it goes white mm-hmm. i don't have a lot no you have almost no gray hair it's not very it's fair. funny i posted a i posted a picture on social media to someone who hadn't seen me in 30 some years mm-hmm. basically since high school and she was not pleased she says that's not fair you don't have any gray hair but i do look Oh, brother. Right, right there. Yeah, there are about four of them. Right there in the very <laughs> sort of in the skunk patch on my beard. I know. You have all your hair. Yes, I do. And you have almost no gray. Yep. I know. And you're almost 50. Yeah. Well, I'm a time traveler. I, you must be. Yeah. It's not right. No, but I look old around the eyes. I've noticed that now. When I look in the mirror, I'm thinking, how did I turn into an old dude? No, you don't look old yet. Oh, yeah, I no, do. No. Ask our kids. Well, I'm a dinosaur as far as they're... I'm a dinosaur (laughs) as far as they're... Speaking of dinosaurs, look at that clever segue. Look at that clever segue. That's why I make the big bucks in radio, folks. Cool. Yeah. Big bucks, no. I make some bucks. Some bucks. Some bucks, yeah. (laughs) Here's a guy. His story came out this year. It's 2019, as I'm saying this. If it's rerun season, it might be 2020 or 21 or 22. Who knows? How long do we rerun these things? I think we keep a show for about 20 years, right? (laughs) Yeah, about 20 years. And then, but this was from 2019. And so here's a fossil hunter who I guess got in trouble because he's selling a T Rex skeleton on eBay Hmm. for $3 million. 2.95. This is from the New York Times. And look at this. It says right here, you have free four articles, uh, four free articles remaining. So (laughs) this is before it slips behind a paywall. I managed to get this one out of the New York Times for free. Hey, New York Times. Little known secret, you can read four free articles or five on your Chrome browser, and then you can switch to your Safari Safari browser, browser. (laughs) and you can get another five free articles, and then the same on Firefox. And that's dishonest, folks. Yeah. No, it's it's a possibility. They need to fix that. A fossil hunter's attempt to sell a young Tyrannosaurus Rex skeleton on eBay for $2.95 million set off a furor among scientists who warned that it needs to be studied, not sold, to the highest bidder. Hmm. The skeleton's owner, Helen Dietrich, defended his decision to try and sell the 15-foot fossil to a wealthy private collector, arguing that it could still be subject to research. Hmm. See, uh, it's very hard to reach a billionaire, he said. Uh, putting it on eBay is one way to do it. So the billionaires can buy this statue. <laughs> so I'm not sure how he found it. You know, um, the only baby T-Rex in the world. Rare opportunity, says the ad. Yeah. This is this may be the only baby T-Rex in the world. Rare opportunity indeed to ever see a baby Rex. Well, so, the skeletons are rarely found complete. That's true. They're usually fragmented. Yeah. So it wouldn't be valuable. Hey, this guy lives here somewhere. He, he lives in Kansas, and he found this thing in Montana. Interesting. Yeah. And um, in 1990, oh, this is not the first time he's done it. In 1999, he tried to sell a T-Rex skeleton on eBay for $5.8 million. 
And I guess it got shut down because a bunch of pranksters started to flood the auction with fake bids, it says. Oh, so, interesting. I don't know. If I found a skeleton, I would offer it to the scientist to purchase. Mm. That is yeah, my T-Rex. I suppose. That is my baby T-Rex. You're fine. I would want to set it up in the living room. I'm sure you would. Yep. The T-Rex. So, <laughs> cool. Hey, but our subject isn't dinosaurs, even though I am one. Our, at least our, our children are convinced that I'm a bit of a dinosaur. It's like, oh, Dad. Dad, that's the way it was in your day. Your, though the first time I heard that one, your generation. What do you mean my generation? I'm still, like, my childhood wasn't that far back. I graduated school sometime in the 1980s. 80s. And um, that's not that far back. Well, Come on, man, I'm still young. But I guess, you know what? No, I guess, I guess to the 80s, our oldest was born in 99. Mm-hmm. So the 80s to her is what the 50s were to me. Which makes it seem old. Right. Because I, I was born in the late 60s and the 50s. World War II was about the same distance back as the 80s are to my kids, I guess. Yeah. No, that's not true. No, I'm born in the 60s. That's 20 years back. 20 years back. So even the yeah. World War II was closer. Have you ever done this exercise where you take your age, go mm-hmm. back to the year you were born, and then go back your age one more time? So seeing where your halfway point is. And my halfway point mm-hmm. is that I was born halfway between the end of World War One and now. Oh, my. Yeah. Isn't that weird? You are a dinosaur. No, no, that's right. I was born <laughs> halfway, roughly, just, weird. just, just, you know, a little on one side or the other. I won't tell you which side it is, okay. but I, um, I am at the half century mark. You go back a half century and you end up, uh, 50 years out basically from the end of world war one, just a little mm. bit more. Yeah. Mm. So what about you? Mm. You'd be the great recession, I guess. Oh, I don't want to do that exercise. The great depression. The Great Depression. No, I, I um, had someone try that one time, and they found out they were the Boer War. It's like, wow, that's, yeah, that's worse. Well, let, let me think. My Another dad, century. My dad this coming year will be 80. And so you go back 80 years from 2020, 1940, and then you go back another 80 years, and you're in 1860. So he's basically, Civil my father War. was born halfway between the Civil, Civil War, War and now. Oh, no. Right? Oh. I know. All right, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you become a dinosaur. The fastest route to becoming a human dinosaur is to raise children. Definitely true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is a part two. We didn't expect to do a part two, but we started talking about parenting. Remember, I titled it and made sure we get the punctuation correct. Parenting colon, the agony and the ecstasy. There you go. Period. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and I, bar- I feel like we barely, and maybe this doesn't interest anybody out there. Maybe we are boring the world to death. But I think if you've raised kids, um, looking back on it is an interesting exercise. Did mm-hmm. I accomplish what I wanted to accomplish? Did I learn what God wanted me to learn? Mm-hmm. Uh, who raised who? Did the kids raise me or did I raise them? All very interesting questions. Mm-hmm. In parenthood, I don't know, I look at it and God... God uses marriage to describe his relationship to us, right? Mm -hmm. In Ephesians 5, Paul says, I'm not really talking about husband and wife. I'm talking about Christ and the church. And so marriage is a school for heaven. It's school for a relationship with God. It teaches you things. And that'd be a good show. What have you learned from marriage? I've learned very little from marriage (laughs) other than than it's not okay to just be a man. It's okay. It's okay no, no, to it's be o- a man. Yeah, no, I know. But it's not just okay to be a man and assume everybody works on man terms. That's true. Right. So I've learned, I've learned to be incredibly sensitive over the years. I'm a very sensitive male. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you started laughing I before I was with finished with that. No, no, I'm not terribly sensitive. But the other one is family. Uh, God is a father. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are places where God is even described in, in motherly terms. Mm-hmm. Um, can a nursing mother, one passage, can a nursing mother forget Every her child? child. Same way, I can't forget you. You are engraved in the palms of my hands, God says. And so parenting, I think, is another avenue through which it makes you wonder, did God set up families? Did he set up everything in the Garden of Eden on purpose because it was going to be a school about him? And I'm convinced it's true. I think nature was a school about God, Hmm. and it still is to this day, in spite of the fact that we have marred nature with what human beings have done in the rebellion against God. The fingerprints of God are still there. Family, marriage children. Uh, I think it's all a school for heaven. And Mm -hmm. God put us in a situation where on our level, in our little bubble of influence, we can learn things about him that you can't learn maybe somewhere else. True. Yeah. So so let's pick up because one of the things we talked about last time was what did parenting actually teach you personally about God? And it's okay if we recap a few things we said, because who knows how many weeks ago you heard episode one Mm -hmm. of the agony Mm -hmm. and the ecstasy. (laughs) Yeah. It's catchy. I might have stolen that title from somewhere. Maybe. Just maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what did parenting teach you about God? How did it change your re- – and again, the context for this is that we are just about 20 years into parenting, just mm-hmm. about 20 mm-hmm. years at this point, and our kids are basically grown, and one is gone essentially, and the other one's just about gone. Looking back, what do you think parenting taught you about God, who he is? How did it alter your relationship with him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well – you know, it's the difficult points of parenting, really, that stretch you. I I have found it's during the difficult times where you don't quite know what to do and things don't turn out as you expect them to. And first, what that did for me was kind of um, reinforced my where my priorities were in my life and forced me to turn to God more and to rely on him more, which built my faith. It built um, my relationship with God. And then in addition to that, I've, I've found being a parent, because my greatest desire really is to make sure that our daughters grow up as women of faith. You know, funny, slight segue. Uh, I remember when Natalie was a little, particularly with Natalie, because yep. uh, both I'm just girl- taking a sip of water while you're talking. I'm yeah, listening. Yeah, I know you are. Uh, both our children are stubborn for some reason. It might be because both because parents of are their stubborn. mother, because of their mother. <laughs> but I would say Natalie's more stubborn, and really, so, really, you don't think so? I don't know. Maybe she's just more vocal about her stubbornness. Okay. Anyway, when she was young, she was extremely stubborn. So um, yeah. Yeah, that's true. oftentimes she would push me and push me and push me. And I would just say to her, Natalie, you may not like this, but it's my job as your mother to make sure that you grow up to be a nice Christian lady. And I said that to her over and over and over and over again. But that's that's my ultimate goal is that both our daughters, Naomi and Natalie, grew up to be women of God. So what happened? Because they're both basically sitting on death row right now. I don't know where you went wrong. No, they're not on death row. No, they're not on death row. They're good. (laughs) Both of them love love God genuinely, which is is so wonderful. So because that... Go ahead. No, I was just thinking, yeah, they do. They both love the Lord, and Mm -hmm. I'm actually watching that in amazement. Like, how did that happen? Because... I know. They both love the Lord. They both work for God, and they spend their they summers do. doing evangelism and, and witnessing. And and, and they both uh, – neither of them is, is studying theology, no. but they both want to do ministry work yeah. in different capacities, Weird. which is so amazing. Weird. They grew up around it, and they don't dislike it. They don't. They no. don't resent it. 
and they don't dislike it. In fact, they share our passion, which yeah. in my wildest dreams, I never <laughs> I never dreamed both of them would end up with that same passion. But anyway, um, but really, yeah, nice Christian ladies. Yeah, uh, wanting that for them created in me a greater desire for me to have a strong faith. And so it 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 gave me an honest, heartfelt desire to spend time with God, to spend time in my Bible every day, to spend time with with him. And that came out of not the fun, easy, light parts of parenting. That came out of the tough parts. Yeah. And so it it just stretched me. Well, I actually give you more credit than me for the fact that our kids grew up loving the Lord. You read them stories from the Bible. They knew the Bible early and stuff. So and did you. No, no. They had yeah, they had this. Too. They have a dad who's just a smidge out of control most days. And <laughs> and yet no. Yeah, I but I am thankful. It it it, it taught me a lot. We're gonna have to take a break because you mm-hmm. chatted up the entire first segment of the show. You filled it with your opinions. <laughs> yeah, I did this time. <laughs> Usually you say that as a joke. Yeah, do you remember the couple we won't name? <laughs> them years ago the wife turns to the husband in front of everybody nobody wants to hear your opinions you're strong your strong opinions yeah i know <laughs> yeah that marriage didn't i last. like no it did not last no. i do like your opinions thank you most of the time unless you're opining on me okay because you're That's always fair. wrong when, when you're telling you. oh no when you're telling me i'm stubborn and, and what have you your opinion's wrong it's just dead wrong. All right. Stubborn. No, no. Hey, we're about to take a break, and we're going to fix our marriage during this break while you write <laughs> down this important information from the Voice of Prophecy. And we'll be right back with Parenting Part 2, The Agony and The Ecstasy. All around us, the world is changing. Homes are being lost. Lives are being threatened. And some people are asking the question, does God even care about me? The Bible answers that question, and what it says is very encouraging. Find out what God says regarding this topic and some of life's greatest issues in our free Discover Bible Guides. You can get yours by going to VOP.com, click on Study, or call us at 888-456-7933. 888-456-7933. Retirement planning can be a stressful process, but it doesn't have to be. The friendly people at The Voice of Prophecy can walk you through the entire process and explain all of your options based on your specific needs. Whether you'd like to set up a trust for income or make a gift that will benefit your loved ones and change lives through The Voice of Prophecy, we're here to help. To learn more, call 1-800-348-5993. somebody waving at me in the control booth. That means we are out of the break. I have repaired our marriage (laughs) and I have taken some correction from my wife. Um, It's true. Some kids do end up on death row. I was, you know, kind of being lighthearted about it, but that doesn't necessarily mean you were a bad parent because, um, Mm -mm. well, there's something you can learn about God. God is the perfect parent and his kids rebelled anyway. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so um, sometimes in spite of your best efforts, there's still free will. Mm -hmm. And uh, David, well, David did some things that affected his family life, I, you know, King mm-hmm. David. But, but still, he had Absalom turn against him. Was that his fault? Is it? I think. I think, and I weigh that. How much of what my kids do wrong is my fault, and what part is their free will? And 
And I, I wonder, does God go through that? Why, you know, we do see these statements where God says, why did I make man in the first place? Mm-hmm. And I wonder, I mean, I, I don't want to presume that God self-doubts. This is not a theological statement and stuff, but I'm trying to imagine the agony going through his heart when he's watching a human race that has become so wicked that he repents in the language of Genesis, he repents of having made them. Mm-hmm. And so I don't go through that because I can't adopt God's perspective, but I'm watching thinking, okay, when my kid does that, is that my fault? Mm-hmm. Is that their fault? I don't know. And so you could be a perfectly good Christian parent and your kid still ends up on death row. I don't mean to make light of that. Absolutely. There are parents out there that are suffering because their kids have made tragic mistakes in life and it doesn't, you know, sometimes it does stem to parenting and sometimes it does not. Right. Right. And, and, and so free will is a big issue. And we all know people who um, are successful and are, are men and women of faith who grew up in terrible situations sure. in their childhood. So it really does come yeah. down to personal responsibility. However, I do think, I, I do think, and I always want to, you know, I'm not trying to condemn anybody or anything like that, but there is a responsibility that we have, and God does hold us accountable, I think, if we abdicate our duty as parents. Mm-hmm. And so you can, you can be faithful to your duty and still get a, a, a bad result because we live in a universe full of free will. Mm-hmm. Um but what does it teach me about God, you know, being a dad over these last 20 years? I think I mentioned this the last time, but I think, you know, I think I might have a tiny sense of how frustrated God must feel when I'm down here thinking I've got my act together and I know what I'm doing. And he's looking and thinking, you really don't know what you're doing, Sean. And yeah. uh, I picked on one of our daughters. We won't name her. Saying, I can back the car out of the garage, Dad. I can do it. And not three minutes later, I hear bang as she hits the side of the garage door and rips the mirror off the car. Off my car. Off your yeah. car. Yeah. And so the mirror is off. And that was a $500 repair because she managed to rip it right out of the body of the car. Somehow. Yeah. yeah $500 yeah. repair. And so I'm thinking, how much damage have I caused in God's universe? Here he is. Yeah. He's trying to restore the human race. He's trying to build his kingdom and shed his light in this world through his people. We are supposed to be Christ-like. We are supposed to demonstrate Christ to the world so that they choose his kingdom, the kingdom that's coming. And so how frustrated is God when I go out there and really botch it, and it's because I'm really sure I know what I'm doing? And I can think of examples where I tried to share my faith, particularly as a new Christian, where I thought this is going really well, and I managed to actually hurt and offend the people, mm. mostly because Not of my intentionally, no, but, but my Dutch bluntness. <laughs> no, Dutch bluntness is a thing. That's my people. Yeah, We're blunt. We just we I think know. the most noble characteristic is to say what you're thinking, and yeah. that's a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. And so, how frustrated is God when he? Um, and then, how frustrated is he when I read his rules and think I know better? Right. Yeah. Oh, Dad, I know yeah. your rule is don't stay up late and watch horror movies after midnight. I know that's your rule. And um, and then they go ahead and do it, and then they can't sleep for two nights because they snuck out of bed and watched the monster movie, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. or the alien movie. Alien. That one, that was the deal in our house. And we don't promote any of this stuff, but it's out there in the world. And our daughter decided about a she was fascinated by aliens, and then couldn't sleep for three nights because, <laughs> what if an alien is looking through my window, honey? That's not the universe we live in. Yeah, relax. Yeah. It's just a story. You know that's why Daddy told you don't sneak out. And watch that junk. Uh-huh. Well, that was the same alien, uh, same alien, same child that when she was, 
not even four, like four at the oldest, um, she said to me, Mom, are there aliens in the universe? And I said, no, honey, no. And she said, how do you know? Have you been through the whole universe? <laughs> I'm like, I might oh, disagree no, with you. I'm I in probably, trouble with no, her. No, I probably disagree with you on the air. We've done that subject here. Yes, I, we have. I think there is a possibility, biblically, another subject, another day, where God yeah. has other worlds out there. I, I, I agree. Infinite I just universe, didn't want to go know, there with a not-quite-four-year-old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think we talked about the fact that how does God feel when he has to let me reap the consequences of my actions? Because I want to stop my kids from getting hurt by their bad decisions. But sometimes right. the consequence now when they're 14, let's say, is so much easier to work through than when you're 27. Mm-hmm. You know, you're 27 and you're pregnant or you're tw- and, and unwed or you're mm-hmm. 27 and you've got a drug habit. That's going to be really hard to work through. So minor mistakes now, letting them reap the consequences so they learn that God's boundaries mean something. And then I wonder, does God go through that agony? Is he going to let me this time when I haven't listened yet again? Is he going to let me reap the consequences of this action so that I understand that he has his, well, let's say the Ten Commandment moral law. It's there for a reason. Thou shalt not covet is there for a reason. It's Mm -hmm. because it's in our best interest not to live that way. So... Yeah, and you know, Sean, I just recently finished studying Jeremiah during my personal devotional yeah, yeah. time, and you I know, know it's that one of your favorites, it's so one I of my favorites. So that book, of course, is full of God's warnings through the prophet Jeremiah to the people of Israel to change their ways, or all of this destruction would happen. But throughout that book, he offers them hope, and he offers them an alternate to that. And so I think sometimes. Uh, we as parents, we have rules, we, we tell our kids no to things, and our kids don't see the what's behind it, that we love them and we want something better for them. We want a better future for them. Right. All they see is the destructions coming and they see the negative. They read the negative into it like we can do with God. Yeah. And um, how hurtful that must be for God because we know as parents that it hurts us when our kids – just read the negative into our rules, and they they can't understand yeah. that we're doing it because we love them. Here, here, here's another one that I wonder about, and maybe I've learned, maybe I haven't. But I look at this phenomenon where it's possible that there is this child who is driving you absolutely nuts at the moment, it angering you even, pushing all your buttons, angering you, doing something they were told not to do, frankly, ticking you off, mm-hmm. and at the same moment, simultaneously, they are the object of your greatest affection and the greatest joy in your entire life. And so this mixed emotion, how are you making me so mad when I love you so much? <laughs> Does I, God go through he that? Must, he must. He must. He must feel, well, he doesn't, I don't know. But he definitely, God feels. He feels the hurt and he feels the pain. Yeah, he does. And I think what we experience as parents probably is absolutely nothing compared to what he feels toward all of us combined as the human race and the pain and all those deep emotions he feels. Here's another one I've learned. Here's another one. What does it mean to have someone who can't possibly pay for what they did wrong? Right. And they can't repay you for what you do for them. Mm-hmm. This happened to me. I mean, I was 16. I totaled my father's car and there's no way I can pay him back for that. I, I was first new car he had had in a while and I totaled it showing off for a bunch of girls. And uh, I know that's hard to picture. Yeah, you know, really you know, hard. But so <laughs> I totaled the thing and I can't pay that back. And so I remember at that age when I became a Christian, I'm thinking, man, that's like me and God. I can't pay back. You know, the damage I've done in this universe, I can't pay that back. Now, as a father, I look at that 
And I get it. Like, how can you love someone who did did wrong, can't pay you back, and you're still willing to go to bat for that kid? Because it's your kid. Because you love them. You love them. Mm-hmm. And so that, I look at it, if God describes himself as my father, and he's saying, look, please come back. The number of times he pleads with Israel, please turn from your wicked yes. ways and live. Would you well, live, spare please? them all the awfulness yeah. that was coming. And so how can you be angry and love at the same time? There's a question that oh. theologians wrestle with. How can sure. you be angry? Because the Bible talks about God's anger and wrath, and his is different than ours in that it's perfectly righteous. Mm-hmm. But you can't evade the fact that it's there. So how can you love and be angry at the same time? Mm-hmm. Not hard. Not hard. Because angry love or loving anger um is seeking the best for your child, and I think it's more of a sense of frustration that you they're not going to end where you hope they would end, that they're not getting out of life what you hope they would get out of life, that they're going to have to reap a consequence you never wanted them to have to reap. Mm-hmm. So how do you be angry and love at the same time? Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, anger and love, let's talk about disciplining children a little <laughs> bit, because I think no, that's part of being a Christian parent. And yeah, it o- is. honestly, I think there's a tendency away from disciplining children at all and I think we've been reaping that. I um, So what was the biggest difference between you and me? Because we mostly agree on things like discipline, mostly, but there yeah. are some distinct differences. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, did we defer to wait till your father gets home? Did you do that? <laughs> did, did I you do, do that? that? Yeah, did you do, um, hey, just you wait till your father gets home? No, not, not really, but... I would tend to want to deal with it in the moment, mm-hmm. and um, but I what I would do rarely it was for the big stuff. Because this I is how deal... I ended up being the bad guy in our house. <laughs> you think you're the wait bad till guy. your father gets home. He's going to rip you in half. No, no, no. I didn't do that. <laughs> but what I would do is I would deal with it, and then I would say, "And we are going to talk to your father about what happened. We're going to not your father. I'd always say daddy, and daddy is going to find out what happened. I'm going to tell daddy. And Did sometimes... that scare them? Oh, sometimes they would just no, no, no. No, 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 no. You do whatever you want, Mom. Just don't tell Daddy. Is it Please they, no, don't come tell on, Daddy. No, is that because they were scared or because they didn't want to disappoint me? Second. Oh, come yeah. on. No, it was really? the second. They would be like, no, he's going to think I blah, 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 or he's going to think I whatever. Uh, because I think in, in most families, one parent is a little easier than the other parent, right? And it's not yeah. always the dad that's tougher. Oftentimes it's the mom. But our family, you're you're tougher. I'm the more soft you're one. You're a pushover. Not completely. No, you're a complete pushover. They just have to cry a little and you melt. Well, I but did mommy, punish them plenty. I really did need this toy. I know I stole it, but would you buy it for me? No. See, but you're tempted no. now. You're tempted now. No, but yeah. um, it's easy. It's easy to be a pushover parent. And that is my tendency. That's abdicating duty, right? But you're not being a good parent and you're not being faithful to what your child needs to give in to them all the time. And so I definitely disciplined our kids and I said no to our kids um, many, many, many times when I didn't want to, when I would have much rather just said, oh yeah, go do X, Y, Z. I don't really care. But part of being a parent is doing the tough stuff, even if it's tough for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tough for you, man. I used to vacillate and vacillate because I would discipline the kids and then be worried I was way too tough on them. Mm -hmm. And then I decide not to be so tough next time. And then I think, man, I did not discipline those kids enough. And for me, trying to find the middle road. And yeah, I was absolutely more of a Nazi than you. There's no question. It's funny now the kids, did you just admit to it? Yeah, I did. I was tough. 
Um, I'm from the old school. But, Sean, you're a good dad. I've, you were then and you are now. I don't know. You are. I don't know. Yes, you are. All right. Well, <laughs> I vacillated. Like, okay, I came down way too hard. And once or twice, I've had to go back and apologize. Daddy should have gathered himself and collected his thoughts before he spoke to you. And I yelled at you, and we could have done that without yelling. Yeah. I've had to apologize for that, too. I mean, we're human. We all parents, we uh, we have our own flaws that creep in when we're parenting our kids. It, it just happens. Yeah, my heart goes out to Mary. I don't know if this is, I think about this all the time. What would it be like to raise the perfect child? Yeah. Is Jesus ever wrong? Well, if he, no, if he never did not. anything wrong, yeah, then it would be so, easy. <laughs> yeah, so you look at the story of Jesus staying behind in the temple, and they go and discipline Jesus. What were you doing scaring us like that? And he's perfectly right. He is. See, we don't true. have to face that. That's true. That's a thankful thing. I see the clock running out on me. We're going to have to take a little break. We're talking about what we learn from God and about God when he makes us parents and uh, puts us in little people's lives sort of as an authority figure. So we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back to the agony and the ecstasy right after this. Disclosure is just one of the programs brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy, like the audio adventure program, Discovery Mountain. Discovery Mountain is a weekly Bible-based program for kids of all ages and backgrounds. Your family will enjoy faith-building stories with Jake Donovan, (laughs) Mr. Simon, and others in this small mountain town. Each summer, campers visit Discovery Mountain, where they sing songs, learn about God, and reenact a Bible story with the help of drama teachers, Miss Wendy and Miss Tamara. With 24 full episodes every year and programming every week, your family will have something uplifting to listen to every week. Listen to episodes on demand and watch video features from Director Doug at discoverymountain.com or on your favorite podcast platform. That's discoverymountain.com. The wave of the producer's hand, we are back on the air. I love that they at least warn us that the mics are live. Not that I'm different. Absolutely. Not that I'm different <laughs> when the mics are dead. Hey, we were talking about a friend of ours, Tracy. A big shout out to Tracy yeah. in Oregon. We're talking about parenting, and you're one of the great ones out there. You and your husband, Sean. Every Sean is a great Sean. <laughs> and great daughters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, big shout out to you. And uh, a big wave through the microphone. You just ran into them at uh, the big Pathfinder Camperie a little yeah, while ago. It, yeah, it was so busy. Everyone was so busy, but got to say hi to them a couple of times, which is yeah. nice. We were talking about discipline, and obviously we're thinking of over the last 20 years because we're just coming up on empty nest. And mm-hmm. some of you out there are ahead of us. Your kids have gone a long time ago, and you've got grandparent thing going on. But maybe some others are behind us a little bit, and your kids are younger. And uh, I guess I'm hoping that... That you'll use these years well and pay attention to the things that God has to offer. I'm not sure I always did. And it's quite an education you get. I think God can teach you a lot about yourself uh, in the act of parenting. We were talking about discipline. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the decisions we made early, because we took advice from a Christian, and I think it was good advice. In hindsight, it was good advice. So take this or leave it. But we made a decision right out of the bat that our children would not be the center of our home which surprises some people. No, no, your children are everything. No, no. 
we decided our children would not be the center of our home, but that our marriage would be the center of our home and that our children would understand that that is the foundational thing. Long after you kids grow up and leave, mom and dad are still going to be here. And our marriage comes first and you come next. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like, how can you do that? A child should know they come first. No, I don't think it's a bad lesson to learn that you're not first. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, the same way that I am very important to God. He loved me enough to send his only begotten son. But his glory and his kingdom come first. Mm-hmm. And and I can choose to be there and participate in it or not, but God comes first. It's for the health of the whole universe. It's not some uh, ego thing on God's part. It's for the health of his whole universe that he comes first. And I think it's for the health of a family that mom and dad come first, that the marriage comes first, that the home comes first. And I actually think there's more security for a kid than, I don't know, you know, I hate to do stereotypes, but I, it drives me nuts when I, I run across a kid that it's obvious the kid runs the house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe that part of that's our generation. I don't know. But I, I agree, Sean. We made a very conscientious effort to, yeah. our, of course, our kids knew they were loved and they were, uh, they, well, they can Not maybe answer day. differently. No, no. I don't know. No, but, I love my kids. Um, I love them. They knew that. And, 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 you know, when they're young, I think that decision that the marriage is the, is kind of like the center of the family. What that meant was you and I could spend time together. We could go out for an evening, which rarely happened, but once in a while, it still doesn't happen. (laughs) And once in a while I would go on a work trip with you and the kids would stay with grandparents. So we modeled for the kids that it was okay for us to do that for each other and that they would be fine without us for a short period of time. So I think that was good in the beginning. It also showed them that their whims didn't change how the structure of the family. And that's not bad for a kid. It's not. I'm not convinced it it's bad stability. for a kid. I know some people are scared to do that. If I don't keep my kid happy and give them what they're asking for, they're not going to love. No, it's the opposite, actually. Yeah. I yeah. think kids respect the fact that there is some structure. And I know kids are going to push that structure. They're oh, going to they push do. the boundaries. That's how they do it. But mm-hmm. they're, the, I think it's more disappointing to find out there are no barriers than that there are. Mm-hmm. Where's the security in a home that has no limit, mm-hmm. no barrier? Yeah. So so they, they that was good when they were young. Now, old, our oldest daughter, Natalie, is at college. And I'm seeing in a different way the benefit of that to her because um, she doesn't she and I are very close, as you know. I'm close with both girls. But um, at when Natalie goes away to college, she doesn't worry about mom being lonely or any of that. She knows you and I have each other, and we are the most important relationship to each other. And so it it allows her to go off and do her own thing in complete security with no guilt, where I think some kids, sometimes they become so attached to one or the other of the parents, they almost feel guilty leaving them. And I don't feel... I, I wouldn't want That's to hind, point. hinder our children from pursuing what God places on their hearts. They need to be free to go, and, and they are. Yeah. Do you have discipline regrets? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we already talked about kind of losing your cool once in a while. <laughs> Definitely did that. But, you know, I think really, and I've heard a lot of older parents say this, I wish I just would not have worried about minor details in certain areas so much hmm. and just relaxed a little more. See, sometimes I think I didn't pay enough attention to minor details. Hmm. And I know, and I'm the stricter one, um, but uh, sometimes I think, man, you know, they're about ready to launch in the world if I'd only paid more attention in this area. Because 
it, I guess that's the other thing. It hurts to see that your kids have flaws. You don't want your kids to have flaws, but I know I've got flaws, and God watches me saying, what a shame he's got flaws. Um, our kids' flaws aren't terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, every kid's got some flaws, and I don't know, maybe I didn't. Here's what I regret, though. I regret sometimes not analyzing a situation more carefully before I jump on it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um so I see one kid push another in the backyard. They're supposed to be out raking leaves, and I see one push another, and I come down on the pusher and not the pushy because I didn't take the time to figure out what ramped up that situation. Mm-hmm. And it actually might turn out that the one who was not pushing was really being cruel. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so they both needed it. I don't know. I jumped too quick. Sometimes I didn't cool down enough because I don't always have a hot temper, but you've seen it. It gets hot on occasion. I, I will blow a gasket because I've had enough. That is enough. You're driving me nuts. Yeah. And um, and I wasn't fast enough. You know, the worst part is um, we got one child in particular. It's like even the slightest rebuke. And she wells up with tears because she can't believe she disappointed you. And then I yeah. feel like a, a, a bonehead. It's like, yeah. are you kidding? I made her cry. <laughs> yeah. And to this day, remember? I know. You can still make her cry. I can cry still do it. All I have to do it. is say to her, what did you do? <laughs> and that's all it used to take when she was little. What did you do? And she'd start crying. I even know. if. And, okay, on one occasion I did it because she hadn't even done anything. I just wanted to see if she'd still cry when there was nothing involved. <laughs> and, and I repent. That was wrong. I'll pay for counseling. I get it. But what did you do? And she started, hmm. And now she's nearly 20 years old. And if I go, what did you do? She says, stop it. I don't like that. (laughs) Right. I know. She's very sensitive. Yeah. The Um, other one, what did you do? You'll never find out. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Make her cry. You'll never find that. You'll never find the body. Yeah. Pretty much. (laughs) I was more that way, though. You would not get me to cry. I am Mm -hmm. not going to cry. You can discipline me. I am not going to give you that satisfaction. I might go sniffle a little in private, but you are not going to see it. See, you you and uh, one of our children um, think think that through. Um, The other child and me, our personalities are we just react in the moment. We don't think about it that deeply. Yeah. 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 So the other regret that I've got is assuming out of the gate that you discipline all children exactly the same way. Yeah, we, we kind of learned that early on, though. Yeah, do you remember, we did. You remember when our oldest wanted to, didn't want to go to bed anymore? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she didn't want to go to bed. I said, all right, bedtime 7.30. She was like, I don't want to go to bed. You can stay up all night then. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So she hops up on the couch, plays with her toys. I said, no, no, no. The children's toys go away at 7.30 <laughs> uh, because that's bedtime for all the children things. If you want to stay up all night, that's great, but the toys go away. Well, what do you guys do? Well, we read. So we're reading books. She pulls out one of her picture books. We say, no, 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 the children's books go away at 732. <laughs> so remember, I gave her a great big 700-page on Christian evangelism, you know, a manual. Yeah. And I get no pictures, and she's bravely thumbing through it. Yeah, and she's sitting there, a little tiny thing with this big book. Yeah, yeah. Turning the Being pages. Being brave, and she's bored to tears. <laughs> and finally, we yawn at quarter to eight. Let's go up to bed. We're tired. Turn off all the lights in the house. Five minutes later, I hear her in the bathroom. She comes to our bedroom door. Yeah. <laughs> guys, guys, are you awake? Are you awake in there? And we're like, oh, we can't laugh now or this is over. We lose. Yeah. No, well, pretend you're asleep. And we hear her getting ready for bed sobbing. You're going to cry now, aren't I know. you? She's sobbing. Nobody read me a story. Nobody, and nobody brushed prayed. my teeth. 
Yeah, nobody prayed with me. And we found her on the floor with her one-piece pajama halfway on in the morning. She fell asleep no, on the floor. not in the morning. I went over. Like, as soon as she fell oh, asleep, I went softy. over and you put softy. her in her bed okay, and but, tucked her in. So I think, well, what marvel. We are such wonderful parents. Look how that works. Because the next night, 7.30, bedtime. Okay, Boom. yeah, She's I'm in ready. Bed. Yeah. Tried it with the next one. I At 7.30, you know, you can stay up all night if you want. Tried exactly the same thing. That kid partied all night. Oh, yeah, she did She just care. partied all night, bouncing <laughs> off the walls, driving me nuts. Like, it didn't care. So no human being is the same. And I'm thinking, I guess that's it with God, where you see a story where he comes down on somebody in a certain way in the Bible, but not somebody else. Could it be because of the lesson that needed to be learned by that personality type? Mm. Be very careful before you apply blanket solutions to everybody every time. No Mm -hmm. child is alike and no child of God is alike. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I see situations where Daniel, I'm not eating any of that food, period. And he's honoring God by doing that. Right. Paul says, what does it matter? Food offered to idols is nothing. An idol is, is they're both honoring God from a different perspective. And God is big enough to accommodate that. I mean, there are things that are clear cut in the Bible, you know, thou shalt not steal and stuff. But mm-hmm. it's possible that God's children can be different and relate to him differently based on who they are. And the disciples were all different from each other. And so maybe you see God dealing with somebody and you think, what a severe punishment that seems to be. But maybe it wasn't for that person. Mm -hmm. And so I think I've learned to step back. And before you judge why God did something, uh, maybe he knows his children. Yeah. Maybe he he knows them. Of course, he knows us better than we know ourselves. Are there times that you're glad you did the hard thing early? Oh, yeah. Um, and we were pretty conscientious, I mean, we were very conscientious when, when our girls were young of certain behaviors we wanted to kind of nip in the bud early. Yeah. Um, I, one example was lying. I had zero tolerance for lying, but every little kid lies. You know, that's just yeah, part of what they do. The Bible says we're born sinful and, uh, you really don't have to teach a kid how to bite their sister or lie. Nope. Nope. Don't, those things just happen. <laughs> and so... <laughs> I see Reuben laughing, right? Did you have to train your kids to do that stuff? Over and over again. You had to train them to hate each other and tell you a lie. Yeah. Uh, well, the opposite anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so, no. It just comes. It's there. Yeah. So when those when those things naturally showed up because they do, we like we were very adamant that that is not acceptable, and yeah. we you know came down pretty Families hard on them. Families don't lie to each other. Nobody right. lies, but right. And consequences were paid early on and quickly. And um, it, we really cleared that up pretty quickly. It wasn't like an, it was an issue that went on for years. It went on a couple times. Another thing that we, I know we were very strict about was our kids being respectful. Um, we did not tolerate any disrespect to us or no. to other adults or even other children. And so because those things were important to us and we were very strict about them early, they weren't issues as the kids got older. And I think those different trigger points for different are different for every parent but i was glad that we were very proactive in the beginning and they became non-issues yeah i i agree sometimes we crack down early hard on an issue mm-hmm. but it was funny they learned it at two years of age and you never had to deal with it again. yeah and it, it just you disappeared never had essentially. To deal with it again i don't know do you find it frustrating when you you work very hard to make sure that our children are respectful and then mm-hmm. they get into kindergarten and mix with kids who are not yeah. And it's like, am I going to have to pay the price for parents who didn't teach respect? Well, by kindergarten, 
hopefully you feel like you've laid a good foundation with your kid. I know a lot of uh, families choose to homeschool their children a few years longer than kindergarten for that very reason, uh, because you can continue to instill the proper values in your children before they before are mixing. So you entrench the good things before you release them into the Absolutely. wild. But you yeah. got to release them into the wild at some Eventually. point. That's mm-hmm. a parent's goal is yeah. to release that kid into the wild ready for life. And I think mm-hmm. that's why discipline is so important. And so the music's playing. I want to come back and ask one more discipline question. It's the tough one. In this day and age, you're shaking your head, but I'm going to ask it. I'm going to ask it. As soon as we come back from this break, we're talking about parenting, the agony, and the ecstasy, part two. We'll be right back after this. Earthquakes, tornadoes, wildfires, Around us, homes are being lost, lives are threatened, and some people are asking the question, does God even care about me? The Bible answers that question, and what it says is very encouraging. Find out what God says regarding this topic and some of life's greatest issues in our free Discover Bible Guides. Go to VOP.com and click on Study, or call us 888-456-7933. As you may know, the Voice of Prophecy is supported by people just like you. We provide Christ-centered programs and Bible studies free of charge so that no one is left out. If you've been blessed by these programs and would like to pay it forward, we invite you to visit vop.com give to make your tax-deductible donation. We're equipping the world for Christ to come, and your support will make a direct impact on so many lives. That's vop.com give. Here we are in the final segment, and I'm being disciplined by the producer to stay within my time limit. <laughs> yeah, he's shaking his finger at me. Producer Ruben shaking his finger at me. Um, we were talking about discipline, the things that parents learn about God by being put into this arena where you're raising little people, mm-hmm. and um, and that you represent God to those little people in their earliest years. And, um, and, and of course, we represent what we learn by watching those little people is maybe how God sees us, at least some glimpse. We can't really put ourselves in, in God's shoes. But mm-hmm. we were talking about, are you glad you did the, the hard thing early in discipline? And, and, and here's, the, here's the question I wanted to explore a little bit. There's this school of thought. It's relatively modern, say, the, since the 1960s after Benjamin Spock put out his book on parenting. Mm-hmm. By the way, it's, it's interesting. In later life, he, he apparently, I don't know if it's urban legend or not, but he apparently apologized for some of the advice he put in that book. But this is a school of thought that you can't discipline a child who's two years old or younger. They just will never understand. And I've always kind of fought that. I thought, okay, they can't rationalize everything, but there does need to be a really early start on consequences. And um, and I guess we won't get into the spanking debacle and debate because you don't want to. I I, I do. I, but but I won't do it. But okay. But can you discipline a two year old? I argue yes, you can. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I think you're missing. Um, if you never discipline discipline a two-year-old, you are missing the opportunity to help that child understand the boundaries in the home, understand what's right and wrong. Because our kids, I remember when they were two, they understood. I mean, they can't think deeply, but they knew if I do this, this happens. 
And they can process that information. Yes, they can. Absolutely. Now, you know, it's not nice to scratch your sister. You can go through that one. It's not nice to scratch your sister, but they don't really understand why. But mm-hmm. they understand that if I scratch my sister, something bad happens. It might not be the logical conclusion that you would come to when you're 40. Right. But at least right. you understand that, you know, bad things can happen if I do what is considered wrong. And I don't think that's an unimportant no. lesson to learn. I like to think that I can tell which kids were disciplined early and which ones were sort of allowed to be free range. Well, free range means something different nowadays. And I do believe in free range parenting. But 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 the ones who are sort of, we won't do anything until they're old enough to reason it through. And it's Mm -hmm. almost embarrassing. It's almost too late. Now, now that's not nice. Listen to mommy. Think this through. You're not thinking it through it too, but you do understand when you lost your favorite toy or or had to go stand in the corner or got a swat on the bum. (laughs) I'm old school. (laughs) And again, there's a huge difference. Let me just say this. Let me throw this out there. Here's the disclaimer. Huge difference between abuse beating and a little swat on the butt that's indignant. Of course. Right? We're not trying to difference. hurt our children, but we're no. trying to... Te- yeah. So and, you and can disagree with me, but write your complaint letters to Gene Boonstra, <laughs> Box 999, Loveland, Colorado. And, and you know, when they're little, not talking about harsh discipline, you can do... I remember one time, um, oldest child, Natalie, she was misbehaving at the dinner table, and all you had to do, Sean, because she's a very sociable child, we know this now, all we had to do was push her high chair away from us so she was a little bit further away from us, and she like felt like she was disconnected, and that was <laughs> know, that was right. enough of a punishment. Do you remember the so, one time I turned her chair around so she yeah, couldn't she see couldn't us because see us. she was like flinging her food or something, and she knew what she wasn't supposed to. <laughs> yeah. And so I turned her chair around, and she was dying inside. Like yeah. I want to be part of the event. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So not harsh things. No, but but, things. but just they learning. Had, they can like, understand that. I can't just do what I want in this world, and you have this limited opportunity to teach a human being that. Mm-hmm. And if they get out into the world and no one taught them that, they're going to find out at their first job that you can't just do what you want. Um, and I've, frankly, I've had to let some people go over the years that never learned it at home mm-hmm. and were unfit for the workplace. Yeah. And it's Sadly. sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's a lot of fun when you teach your child something and they catch on. The last time we did this topic, we were talking about the proudest moments, you know, Aww. Natalie <laughs> learning to roll over, Naomi learning to read, yeah. those things. Mm-hmm. Fun to watch your own personality traits come out. You know, Natalie's musical, and I watch that and think, that's me. That's yep. Those are my she genes. Got all I the lo- music from I you. I love music, and that's me. That's right. And so we really celebrate the positive ones, but you know the opposite's true, too. Do you oh remember my. the first time you saw your own negative traits? Or maybe your own personal struggles appear in your child? Oh, yes. Oh, and that is so humbling. Um, let's see. I remember with, well, again, we've talked to poor Natalie. I hope if she hears this program, she forgives us. We but love you, Natalie. We've this is to- just a way of disciplining you in front of the whole world. <laughs> there we go, Sean. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, we've t- I've already mentioned how stubborn she is. But that was humbling because I, kn- I know she gets that. A little bit from both of us, but her type of stubbornness is definitely me. I mean, she's she's me. But I remember when um, she was little and Naomi was a baby, and one time Naomi was trying to touch some of her stuff, and Natalie ripped the whatever the thing was out of Naomi's hands and said, don't touch that. That's my important papers. And I heard my own voice coming through her, like, because I would tell her all yeah. the time, don't touch that. That's mommy's important papers. Do you remember my oh. most humiliating moment? Oh, uh, I don't know. Driving down the freeway. I'm driving down the freeway in Toronto, the 401, mm-hmm. right? And a trucker cut me off. 
cut me off. I had to swerve to avoid having the front end of my car hit by the tail end of this truck. And I swerve into the next lane. My knuckles are white. A bead of sweat appears on my forehead. My heart is racing. Man, that was a close call. And then I swerve back. Mm -hmm. And Natalie wasn't quite too. And she's sitting in her car seat in the back. And she suddenly yells out a very unkind name. It wasn't a swear word. Not a swear word. No, I remember this. it wasn't. It wasn't a swear word or anything like that. But she basically shakes her fist at the trucker and calls him a name. <laughs> and I'm thinking, and I remember you shooting me a dirty look. Where would she learn that? I don't know. <laughs> That's where she learned it. Was and from I guess you. I mutter in traffic and say things, unkind things huh. about the other drivers. <laughs> And I'm thinking, my goodness, little ears do pick everything yeah, they do. up. They do. And they do. she thinks that's how you react to the world. What a humbling moment that is, because yeah. it might be how dad reacts to the world. And I bet you that's been passed on from generation to generation in my family. But yeah. Uh, yeah. the other one, mm -hmm. when I see one of my kids get quiet and smoldering angry about something, that's me. Mm -hmm. They got that from me because... In a relationship, you have skunks and turtles. I remember a pastor telling us that when we we're getting married. <laughs> skunks spray each other when they're mad, and turtles retreat into their shell. And um, you're a turtle. I'm more turtle than you are, I think, mm -hmm. and you are more skunk than I am, mm -hmm. I think, because you want to finish this and you want to come after it again. I want it done. Yeah. yeah. And so I see one, and I'm thinking, I haven't always dealt the best that way. I tend to disappear into my world and maybe overthink the situation and let it get to me more than it should, and imagine things that aren't true. And I watch one of my kids thinking, no, don't do it. Don't deal with the world like your dad deals with right, the world. And right. I watch that, and it actually hurts some. I watch it. Don't do it like your dad did. No. I could spare you this, and I know you got that from me. And I got another child who, um, you know, I don't know how important getting up on time and going to class is, but it wasn't all that important to her father. <laughs> and, um, and I watched that and I'm thinking, no, don't do what I did. You know, I yeah. slacked off and I, I'm sorry to this day that I did. But you, you can't seem to communicate that. And I guess mm -hmm. that's one of the frustrating things is when I see something I know I'm the inspiration for and I'm an unintentional inspiration for it. And it's the most humiliating moment. Humbling is a better word. Yeah, it's humbling. Because you realize humbling. I really do have a fallen nature. Mm -hmm. There are things about me that I'm blind to mm -hmm. until I see them mirrored in a little person who picked it up from me. Mm -hmm. I know. It's very yeah. humbling. Mm -hmm. What interactions with your kids have made you understand your own parents a little bit better finally? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, parenting really gives you a lot of... Um, understanding for your own parents doesn't it and i think probably the teen years uh <laughs> give you the most sympathy for your own parents our kids are really they've been so good they were such good teenagers they really were good kids compared oh, to yeah. me oh, i was such ah uh, wow i put my mom through do a tell. lot do, as a teenager do, do tell no, how I'm you tormented your mother <laughs> just how bad tell. of a teenager were you gene i was a bad teenager i was oh Way worse than our daughters are. Our daughters are so you, good. I by can't comparison. imagine you being a mouthy teenager, though. You can too. That's why you're looking <laughs> yeah. at me the way you are. <laughs> but um, you know, the funny thing is, and my friend who I've, has been my friend since fourth grade, Holly, she and I were talking about this in December. When I was a teenager, I thought my mother was so unreasonable because she was so strict with me. The reality is I am way more strict with my daughters than my mom ever was. I mean, there and you Holly became your mother. No, I became more than my mother. <laughs> and um, Holly doesn't have her own children. So she kind of could 
can watch this all and she can comment it on it from an outsider's perspective. And she she thinks it's funny because I there are so many things that I don't let my kids do. And Holly said to me, you know, if your mom did that to you, you would have turned to me and said, my mother can't stand me. <laughs> and so I have... I have a lot yeah. more sympathy for both of my parents having gone through this journey myself. You know, one of the things I get now is why I used to wonder, like, why is dad getting so frustrated and mad with me right, right. now? It's like, oh, how unreasonable is this? He doesn't get it. Oh, I get it now. You know, my dad's frustration for when he was giving us opportunities to learn to work because that's important. That's a maybe I think that's important across men and women, but particularly to men, mm-hmm. teaching your children to work and be self-sufficient is one of the goals. I want to get yeah. to that goal. Yeah. So my father would do that. He'd head out to work on a weekend in the morning and say, OK, I want you to he'd give us about two hours of chores, cut firewood, weed the garden, mow the lawn, wash the car. Two mm-hmm. hours. Mm-hmm. So what would we do? Because nobody's around. We would lay around. We'd go downstairs, watch TV. And then when we realized he's coming home in half an hour, we go out run and run around and do all your yeah, work and make yeah. it look like. <laughs> we've been working and of course then he's mad and we don't why does that make you so mad it's not he's not mad because uh we didn't do what we were told and it's a threat to his ego that of course that's what you think when you're a teenager sure it's not it at all he's frustrated because he knows we're going to need that skill when we get out into the real world yeah. so i did it the whole long way along you know you know my motto work first play later later, right it is so much better to get your work done and then go out and enjoy yourself and play because you don't have your work hanging over your head Uh and then i and then they don't get it and they goof off all day and the work's not done and so now at 5 p.m they still have to do the chores they could have taken care of at 7 a.m and i'm getting frustrated and suddenly i think wait a minute where have i seen a frustrated middle-aged male before Hmm. oh man dad getting mad at 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 me Mm -hmm. that's one the other one I get now why dad forgave me for destroying his car. Mm. And uh, I I don't know. But until you have kids, you think, man, someone destroyed my car. Uh, I don't know. Why, he, why was his first concern that I was okay and his second concern his car? Because he loves you. Yeah, and I yeah. get it now. And I've mm-hmm. tried to learn from that. I'm not sure I have because I still wig out. There's the truth, folks. Christian pastor fathers wig out on their children. Uh, we don't pretend to be We're perfect around our house. So I That's wig right. out. But then I try to remember, you know what? Your dad took you aside and quietly talked to you and forgave you for destroying the one new car that he had. He knew you didn't do it maliciously. Well, yeah, but I did it foolishly. Yeah, but foolish and malicious are different. I did it by being foolish, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I try to learn that. Okay, favorite Bible passages about being a parent. Um, you know, I, 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 last time I asked that question, I deked out and I kind of went to Proverbs 22. Right. But here's one for me. Okay. Here's one for me. Exodus chapter 12. Uh, the plagues are falling on everybody, and the 10th plague falls on the firstborn of every household, right? Unless you're covered by the blood. When you read the second commandment against graven images, it says that the sins of the parents are passed on to the next generation. And so now I realize that my choices have consequences not for me only, but for God's universe and for mm. my children. Mm-hmm. And so choosing to be a godly man matters not just for me but because what i'm modeling is going to be picked up by my kids Mm -hmm. and so choosing not to sin against god is not just for my benefit and it is for my benefit but it's for their benefit too it's like i owe it to them to show god's best life and so i look at that i guess that's not so much a bible promise but i take that to heart 
the kids pay the consequences for the God doesn't hold the kids responsible for your sins, but they do pay the consequence. And I've taken that to heart. My life matters and it's influenced others. There's the music. We're out of time. My goodness. But we are. Parenting, the agony and the ecstasy. It's worth it. Yes. If you're planning a family, go through it with your eyes wide open. There will be highs. There will be incredible lows on some occasions. There'll be some pain. There'll be a lot of laughter. But most of all, keep your eyes wide open because God's trying to teach you something about himself. Until next time, it's Sean and Jean at Disclosure. Disclosure.